Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. This episode was recorded at Spotify Studios, L.A. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, actress Karen Pittman talks to me about aligning yourself with abundance and claiming what's yours. When our dreams take a little longer than we imagined or we get passed over for an opportunity, sometimes we can fall into the trap of scarcity. But Karen reminded me that the world we live in is all about abundance. What's yours will always be yours. If it's meant to be yours, nothing's going to get in the way of it. Nothing's going to get in the way of it if it's meant to be yours. And that has come back to me in every single job. Welcome to the pod, Karen. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing. Okay, so I normally start with the question of how did we meet? So we haven't met in person. No. But we're connected on Instagram. Yes, and I feel like we're Instagram yes, friends. Yes, 1,000%. Which is why when I saw you, I was like, hey, yes. hug. No, I feel like I've known you my whole life. But I just have to say, you know, I have been acting as long as I can remember. Oh, wow. And there's like markers in my life of women that I've seen on television that have just given me full body chills mm-hmm. and made me be like, they are good oh. and just really give me that uh, urge to just want to be better. Mm. And you have done that for me. Oh, thank you. Like watching you on screen, I, I literally I'm like getting emotional thinking about it. I remember seeing you on the morning show on the first season being like, this woman is on another level. Oh. Like she's doing something different. Like. Is anybody else seeing what I'm seeing? Like, <laughs> clearly people see it, but it just, it, I am so taken with your uh, effortlessness, but also your beauty. Oh. You're so beautiful Thank you. on and off screen oh. and truly a deep source of inspiration for me. So I'm so grateful that you said yes and that you're sitting down with me today. Well, I will take all that bouquet of flowers (laughs) and put it right here, very Mm. close to my heart. For me, it's very important to not just um, 
be a good artist or be a good actor, but be a good human. And I really do hope that yes. people feel the good, positive energy that I have about um, acting and about how important it is to reflect back to humanity, mm. who we are mm -hmm. uh, in the highest form, in my highest self. Yeah. Just the energy of that is really, really important to me. And I mean, you can't see it in all the characters that are created that that reflect um, black women, mm -hmm. right, in our industry. There are lots of... Um, Lots of nuances to mm -hmm. work through as an actor, but it's it's good to hear that because I work very hard. Mm. I work so hard. I can tell. And, and it, the great part about certainly being a black actress in Hollywood mm -hmm. is that we really do lift each other up. Like, because this there's a just like maybe six and a half of us out mm -hmm. here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> or it feels like. Yeah. I mean, there are many, many more. But when you do meet an actress who is doing well, and uh, they say, you know, you're an mm -hmm. inspiration to me. I'm like, oh, God, because my little nose is to the grindstone trying mm. to make it work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not thinking about anything else but shout, drink your water, learn your lines. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and just the work, the everyday work of being an actor. Yeah. So when someone says, lift your head up, I see you. Mm. So it's so, so meaningful. So I thank you. Lift your head up. I see you. That's mm. That's beautiful. All right. So let's start at the beginning. So you were born in Mississippi. That's right. Uh, and raised in Nashville. That's right. So yeah. let me ask you quickly, when did you move from Mississippi to Nashville? Um, it was the mid-70s or mid-70s. Mid I don't remember. I wasn't... I wasn't you were young. Yes, I was very young. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what would you say Nashville gave you? Nashville gave me craftsmanship. Mm. Um, it gave me mastery. Uh, you know, in Nashville, the community, the culture supports musicians and songwriters, mm -hmm. but but not um, for the fame of it, for how you touch people, how you connect to people. Mm -hmm. That's very true in the black community. As you know, country music has its origins in really yes. in black culture. Mm -hmm. And and so, um, and in order to be a really good uh, country music musician or, or songwriter you have to tell a great story mm. can't just be any you know um it's the gambler you gotta know when to hold <laughs> you know and that and that kind of ingenuity or cleverness when it comes to songwriting yeah. and so um <clears throat> so that that's what nashville gave me it also gave me um a real appreciation for um nature and um nashville is in a valley. So it, it goes slopes down in Memphis, but you come from the hills in, in Knoxville. So it's oh. in a valley. And so it's lush and green for most of the year. Only a couple of months out of the year is it really cold and frigid and, and brown. But for most of the year, it's lush and beautiful. Yeah. And um, it just gave me a real appreciation for, for nature. It gave me my childhood with my siblings in mm -hmm. so many ways because we would play in the backyard. And um, it gave me the best memories of my parents in Nashville. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend. 
when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. Okay, uh, looking back, what would you say um, are some of the greatest lessons your parents imparted upon you that you still carry with you today? Well, there's so many gifts that my parents gave me. Um, but most of the gifts that they gave me and the most important ones were in their dying, was in their mm. death. And I think a lot of people look at the experience of losing a parent or the grief that follows it with um, a great deal of sadness and, and um, pain. But as an artist and as an actor who understands humanity and human behavior in a kind of unique way, um, yeah. When my parents passed, I had to transition. I had to, there was just so much pain and sadness. I had to find where the gifts were in it. Mm. And the biggest gift of my father's passing, I think, was um, he was such an advocate. He, for me, that um, uh, a, a real darkness fell upon me for several years after that. And um, after the darkness cleared, um, I found myself in a really interesting, completely different place. And um, I had, during that period, my daughter. And she, and that experience of being, you know, trying to make my way through the grief, she was the light for mm -hmm. me um, that pulled me out of it. And so a lot of ways, um, it was kind of a reverse teaching. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the grief was so dark, it... Um, uh, and in my mother's passing, I, at that point, felt like I was very on my own, like by myself. Mm. And um, I learned that um, just before my mother died, um, she was not, you know, her doctors came and told us she's not letting go. We don't think she's going to let go. And you guys need to let her know that it's okay. Mm. And so I had to have the conversation with my mother that was like, it's okay. I said, I can be my own. Mm. Sorry. No, it's okay. I can be my own best mother. I can be my own best father. It's okay. You know, you can let go. And, um, yeah. and, um, I didn't mean it, but mm. I wanted her. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I wanted her. I wanted her to feel like she could, she could go ahead and let go. And then the years at the year two after that, I sought to make myself, to heal myself by becoming actually the mother I always wanted and the father I always wanted. It made me a better mother to my children, to be a better mother to myself. Mm. And I think that that was the most enormous gift yeah. that I had in um, in her passing was that I really invested in in raising myself up. And she raised me a, a, a really like 90% there, mm -hmm. do you know? But that last 10% that as young as a young woman, I was not there yet. It mattered, and I yeah. needed it. I needed it. So, yeah, that, those are the two biggest important things that I learned from my parents. Um, they were extraordinary. 
extraordinary parents. I was just talking to somebody the other day about how lucky I was to have my parents. They mm. were crazy. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's parents are crazy, but I'm glad I had the crazy that my parents had versus the crazy that yeah. maybe, maybe somebody else's. Yeah. What um, What's something about you as a mother that is most similar to your mother, how she mothered you? What are something my mother would do? Like, how are you most similar to your mom in the way that you mother? Uh, my mother could always uh, really tell when someone didn't have integrity. Mm. She was good at that. Ooh. She would look at you and be like, and then she'd turn around and she'd say, that person ain't, don't do you know what I mean? <laughs> Just stay away from them. Come over. Come over here. Come over here. Come here. Come here. here. Okay. Thank you so much. You know, it didn't matter if it was the person bagging your groceries. Mm. It wouldn't matter if it was a principal of a school. It wouldn't matter if it was a pastor at the church. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if it was Uncle Ray Ray. Come on over here. Come on, sit down. Don't don't, don't go over to Uncle Ray yeah. Ray. Come sit next to me. You know, it uh-huh. wouldn't matter. She always knew. She had like a six. A lot of discernment. She had yeah. a lot Absolutely. of discernment. Absolutely. She was very good. And I'm good mm. at that. I'm good at that. Mm. And it's it helps me in business very much. Mm. So, and I've heard you talk about this, but I was like, I cannot wait to talk to you about this oh. on my podcast. But so take us back to 2004. Okay. okay. You quit your job in finance. Yeah. And decided to transition into acting mm-hmm. when you were pregnant yeah, I know. with your daughter. Son. With your son. son, Okay, with your son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, when you read it on paper, you're like, okay, she was in finance and she decided to quit. She wouldn't transition to acting. Oh, but she's about to have a baby. Wow, that seems like a very interesting time (laughs) to to decide it. So I really want to, if you could just, if we could just go back. We're in a time machine. We're going back 19 years. Oh, boy. Almost 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Who who were you then, and ha- and how did you make those decisions? Well, I was a very selfish Karen. I was a very self centered Karen. I was a woman that had never. Well, I won't say a woman. I'll say I was as a woman. I the only identity I had in the world was as the daughter of my Jack L. Pittman, and I was the newly married uh, wife of Adam Shartoff, and. Um, I had entered into this job at a finance company and started making a lot of money and lost track of myself. And so um, I decided that I, you know, I wanted to get pregnant. I wanted to have a child. That was something I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, I I got pregnant really fast. Mm. Like I decided, oh, I think I'm going to do it. And I was like, yeah, let's try. Let's actually do it. Let's see if we can put it together. And two weeks later, I was pregnant. That was how fast that happened. And um, suddenly, you know, the job that I had, the life that I had been leading up to that point, I recognized was really only on behalf of getting the love and affection of my parents. I was a very obedient child. And Mm. if they said, this is what you need to do to have a successful life, I did it. And once I was pregnant, I realized this is really going to change my life in a big way. And I am not happy Mm. with the way, with the prescription that my family and my parents had given me um, as to how to live your life. I was 
really absent of purpose, absent of motivation. Um, my husband at the time would have to run the bath water for me in the morning and put me in the bath and take me out and get on the subway with me to take me to work. And I, I really had to change my entire perspective on who I needed to be. And as a, as a young black woman, I was very obedient and loyal to um, class and culture. What mm -hmm. does it mean to be a successful black woman? You drive a car. You have a, a an apartment on Fifth Avenue. You, uh, you, you look the part. Your hair is straight. Your hair is you, you know you're always cute. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? You got the latest jeans. You know, and that isn't actually um, a fulfilling life. Nor is it sustainable. Mm -hmm. If you are only focused on external, um, the external manifestation of your purpose in this world, you are lost. You are absolutely lost. That can only come from an internal moral compass because we're all here to do something very specific. And yes. at that point, I did not know that. I had no idea that my life is a fingerprint. My life is as unique as anyone's. And, and, and I'm never going to be here again like this. Mm. Never. So um, at four and a half months pregnant, I panicked. And uh, I thought, I got, I, got, I, got, I got to do something. And I was in, I was in acting, had an acting coach named Sam Schacht. And I said, Sam, I think maybe I should go back to school for acting. And he was like, yeah, sure. I was like, but I'm pregnant. He's like, try it. Mm. So I was like, okay, so where should I apply? He's like, come to my school. And at the time, he was the head of the new school mm -hmm. in New York City, uh, which is in downtown. And I was like, should I apply someplace else? And he was like, uh, yeah, you should apply to NYU. And Gosh. he was like, I was like, oh, is that a good school? He was like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll apply. So I fill out all the application for NYU. I did all that work. Are you still working in finance doing all this? No. Okay. I've quit by that time. Okay, you've quit. And that wasn't hard. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And no one at that office thought I should be there. Yeah. Everyone was like, she should be yeah, singing not, or I acting. Or yeah. <laughs> that wasn't hard to figure out. And um, so... Uh, I actually did not end up applying to the new school. I only applied to NYU grad acting. Only. And at the time, it was the number one grad acting program in the country. Mm -hmm. And um, I went in there, and I saw Denai Gurira. Mm. I saw Eddie Kathegi, because they mm -hmm. were students at the time. I think Andre Holland walked down the hallway. Oh, wow. Um, I saw Nicole Salter, who's now an incredible actress, but yes. also a wonderful playwright. Um, so many actors that you probably have seen. Mm -hmm. um, I walked down the hallway and I saw them. And I remember Nicole and I were somewhere in the corner of the cafeteria. And Nicole looked over and said, oh, well, look at it. Or something like. And I was mm -hmm. trying so hard to hold it. But my belly was so big. My belly was so wow. big. And... Um, and I and I did go in, and I I was doing a Susan Laurie Parks monologue. And I did Cleopatra from Antony and Cleopatra and Shakespeare, and I was doing a really my very best monologue. I mean, like the best I'd mm -hmm. ever did. And I was 
nervous. Um, but my son was in my belly and he was like, mm. but they couldn't see, you know, but he was like, because oh. there was something going on. You know, he knew there was something going on. He was like, what's going wow. on, mama? What are we doing? This feels interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> the adrenaline was yeah. pumping. And I sat up and Zelda Fitzchandler was there and she's Zelda's mentor of mine. I love her uh, to life. And she's, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? Get up off the floor. What are you here for? What are you here for? And uh, I said, I'm here to be an actor. I'm here to be an actor. And she's like, well, you have, I, have, I have students here who can't even keep their boyfriends. How are, how are you going to have a child here? And I said, if you are talking to me, then I should be here. If, I, if I'm sitting in here and you know that I did a good job, then, then I should be here. And you need to give me a chance. And um, she was sitting next to now my other mentors, Janet Zarish, and Janet was. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I came back for a callback later on that day. They called me back. Mm-hmm. Um, again, trying to convince me not to do it, but I was there. I was stayed in my purpose. Wow. And I left, and I went home to my my husband at the time, and he said, "You know, Karen, you're probably not going to get in." I said, "I know, but I had to try." Mm-hmm. And he said, "If you do get in." You're probably not going to get any money for it. Not only did I get in, I got all the money I needed to go to school there. It was just so clearly on my mm. path. All that is to say, 45 mm. minutes later, to make a long story longer, if it is on your path, that, that was the biggest lesson to me. Mm. Not getting into grad school, although it did change my 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 ability to access craft. Mm-hmm. The biggest um, lesson for me in that if it's meant to be yours— mm. Nothing's going to get in the way of it. Nothing's going to get in the way of it if it's meant to be yours. And that has come back to me in, in every single job that I haven't gotten or mm. I have gotten. Um, it's always been, um, if this is meant to be, that was and it was so huge for me, which was a big, big turnaround moment for me mm. from having been so miserable and unfocused and sad and unable to figure it out to my life. You know, three months after my son was born, I was back in school wow. in an acting program. The only one I applied to, it was the only one. And it was the number one school in the country at the time. And you got all the money. And I got all the money. But it also is like you said, it was always here's the thing. I talk a lot about this on the pod. It 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 was always gonna happen yeah. for you. Yeah. But it required obedience. Yes. You could have ignored yes. Obedience to me. Yes. yes. You could have ignored it. Yeah. And the thing is, most of us do. That's right. Most of us ignore. But why do you think? Because it's scary. Yep, fear. It's fear. scary. 100% fear. I got chills just hearing. Yeah. You, you transporting us back to 2004, even I started getting the feels of you being four and a half months pregnant with your son, your first child in this audition for the biggest acting program in the, in the country. Yeah. And these people, you know, these, um, you know, people of the program saying you shouldn't do this. You have a husband at home mm-hmm. who's like, <laughs> you. Pr- that's scary. Yeah, 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 yeah. But let me say this. This is my whole life. Mm. I'm a risk taker. My whole life has been, you're not going to make it. You're not going to get it. No one's going to say yes. Mm. You're not going to get a yes. And so the other thing I want to say is that it it doesn't, 
I think what's really important is to know is that this doesn't make me special. Anybody can do it. Anybody. Just have to tap into what it is you really want. And I think some people want you to think that because I'm here, I'm special. But the secret is that everybody's special. Yeah. Everybody's special. Um, I heard Tracy Ellis Ross say one time, there's enough sun for everyone. And that's, Mm -hmm. you may not think that could be true, but it actually is really true. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 18 years from tonight. Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org healthy living. That makes me think about my dad has always said, like, if, if ever I'm down, yeah, he's always like, rub some sunshine on your face. Because hmm. it's available to all of us. I love that. Yeah, he's always like, just rub some sunshine on your face. I love that. And it's true. So whenever I'm, fe- literally, if ever I'm just feeling a little, and I mean, it is like the vitamin D and whatever, you know, but it is true. Sometimes I'll just, I I'll just go outside sad. and go like this, and I feel so much better. That's so great. I love this conversation. It's making me so emotional. You I are know. such a special person. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on this show. I'm so happy you're here, ditto. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you're We're here. We're in church right now. <laughs> The best. <laughs> I'm having a spiritual moment. It's the best. Okay, okay, okay. It's the best. Get it together. We're back. Okay, so I want to know. So, we're pregnant with Jacob. Oh yeah. We have him. Oh. We're in acting school. Yeah. But before we get to like how you continued on, talk to me about how motherhood, the first go around, really changed you. Well. I had something to live for, something Mm. to strive for. Um, You know, I come from a long line of manifestors. My parents were raised during Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have education and they didn't have anybody telling them they were first in their family to go to college. Mm. So all of what my parents created in their lives for themselves and for us was out of their imagination, yeah. was a creativity of their spirit telling mm-hmm. them to go in this direction. And so I had a great example of my parents to to follow that, and Jacob sp- sparked that for me. Mm-hmm. His, his presence in my life sparked it for me. Um, and my son, I learned very quickly that my son was not given to me, but he was given to the world. And so I have a little... I have a little <laughs> And he wasn't. He wasn't given to me. He was given to the world. So I have a little bit of time to walk mm. along this journey with him. And then he flies off on his own, yeah. just out of the out of the mama nest. Um, so um I realized that he I was going to teach him and he was going to teach me. Mm. And my son is another reincarnation of the Buddha. I say this all the time to him. 
but he is so smart. He's so, you know, he's always been this kind of kid who I'm pushing him in a stroller and a kid goes by and he falls down. He'll sit up in the stroller and say, are you okay? Like he's that kid. And he's been that way Mm -hmm. since very early on. And so he's taught me a lot about, um, my son has taught me a lot about compassion, kindness, take it easy. Not that big of a deal. Mm. Everything's going to be okay. Um, He's taught me about um, manifesting my manifesting powers. Yeah. Um, And just from birth, just from being in my belly too, I realized that, you know, part of the experience of having a wall to push up against is that once you get over it, there's a, it builds even more confidence. Mm -hmm. So um, I I often, he, he helped me to see that a wall isn't, doesn't mean you stop. It means that you have to get creative and strategize and think another way to get over it and then go to the next wall. You're going to hit the next wall. And um, so he really, as a mother, he taught me that um, he sparked my creativity. A lot of what I use as a mother, I use as an actor. Mm. Constantly saying yes. Constantly, hey, what you doing? Come on, let's have a good time. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of my characters that you'll see are very much like, game, let's go. Let's sit. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the way that their bodies do it, Mm -hmm. very much relevant in um, Nia Wallace. Nia is very much of a. Yeah. Yeah, She's that kind of uh, a person where Mia's more like. Mm hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But. yeah, he he taught me a lot of the, about that, and um, he gave me my actor body because as a child he was so because boys and men are they're so physical. Yeah, um, he helped me to figure out how to behave mm. in a body in a very um, childlike way. And in, in in our earliest years, we are in our bodies in a way that we are never in them once we. Yeah, go through puberty and get mm-hmm. older and have children. Once so, the world gets to us, once the world gets to us. <laughs> yeah. So he changed me in many, many ways. What about your daughter? My daughter, um, Lena Marie, slowed me down, mm. and I needed to. I was moving too fast. How many years apart are they? Five. Okay. Um, I had Lena a year and a half out of grad school, and I'd only known her dad for five months when I found out I was pregnant with her. Wow. So it was a relationship that was struggling. We weren't a couple when I found out I was pregnant with her. And um, we came back together just to support her and her birth and bring Mm. her into the world. And we couldn't stay together. Mm -hmm. So um, we went our separate ways. And um, Lena now has a stepmother and she has a a brother from that relationship. And the hardest thing for me to do was to let her go into that relationship that he had, right? But I love Lena fiercely. She is um, an extraordinary human. I would never have met someone like Lena if I had not birthed her. Never. Because she is so different from me. So different. Um, And I want her to have everything, the very best. She's taught me what unconditional love looks like. Mm. Um, Not because she loves me unconditionally, but I have to let her extraordinary light out into the world. And the more love she gets, the brighter she shines, the bigger she expands. Um, And um, whenever I'm running around doing things, you know, 
She's always like, Mama, I miss you. You need to come home. And mm. I come straight home, you know. <laughs> um, and that's important to me. I, um, my children are my, uh, in them is my home. I live in L.A., I live in New York, but in Lena and Jacob, that is my home. So when yeah. they are with me, I feel at home. Mm. When they're away from me, I'm like, out, you know, which is a, it's, it's a distinct difference from what my life is like before I had children. What was it like before you had children? Um, it was just about me. Yeah. <laughs> I was so centered on myself. So, yeah, motherhood has been just incredible for me as a human being to grow me up. To grow you up. It grew me up. Yeah. It grew me up. That's what it does. I mean, you're different. How could you not be? Well, so, and some women don't need to have children to grow up. No. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. And I wanted. I wanted to grow up that way. Mm. I really did. <sighs> I just love motherhood. Yeah. I just think it's amazing. I'm just, I'm like. Well, you'll have it. Yeah. If you want it. I do. Yeah. That's the prayer. Yeah. I want to grow. I wanted to grow me up too. Yeah. 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 Okay. So tell me when. So you're in grad school. Yeah. We have Jacob. Yeah. We're still married. Yeah. When was the moment? What What was the moment, rather, where you were like, this acting thing is working for me. Like, I'm making a living doing this now. When did that happen? When did that transition happen? Well, that didn't happen until 2014. So, so that 10 was years 10 later. 10 years later. Ten years later. Okay. Ten years later. Take take us there. I I did a Broadway play called Disgraced. That was when I was like, oh, mm. this is working. Mm. And I got my first, like, real like review. <laughs> like, you good? <laughs> that kind of review. <laughs> that yeah. kind of review. And. Um, it came from Hilton Owls, who is an extraordinary writer, and uh, <laughs> I say so myself. <laughs> He's an extraordinary critic. <laughs> I say so myself. <laughs> I cracked myself up. Anyway, so uh, I got a review, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, mm-hmm. good. Because part of the reason why I went to grad school in the first place, I mean, you're an you're, you want to be an actor, you just go act. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be good. Yes. I wanted to have the respect of my peers mm-hmm. in the industry for my efforts. Um, I didn't want to go into it and like make a lot of money. I wanted to go in it and make history. I wanted to leave a legacy in mm-hmm. this industry. I am an artist and this is what I do. And I did it to the best of my ability. And it moved people. It inspired people. It taught them something. It reflected back something. I didn't, I mean, I, I love to make money, and I love to make good money. But for me, it's really about um, uh, it's about what I leave behind. Yes, when my energy goes to and transitions to another place, so I want that energy to stay here in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in 2014, when I started working on the Broadway, I had done the play off Broadway, and the playwright said to me, "You're the only actor I'm going to take to the Broadway stage." Mm. And I, I was like, oh, oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. He was like, no, 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 this play needs you. And um, I was like, okay. And it still hadn't seeped in. You know, it didn't seep in mm-hmm. that I was there yet. And uh, But no, it took me 10 years from the time I started grad school to feel like 
uh, I'm going to be successful and I'm going to, I'm going to do this for a living. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you said earlier, you were like, you know, part of your life has kind of been like having to prove people wrong. Like, no, I can do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were your experiences in joining the morning show or in just like that? In, in any way, shape, or form like that? Like, what was your... Pro- I'm always curious about, like, the process of getting these big jobs that, mm. like, really change things for us as actors. Um, what were those experiences like for you? Well, I think what I distinctly remember about coming on the morning show was everyone was like, she's a great actor. Mm-hmm. She's really great. We're so excited you're here. We're excited you're here. Um but I had a very specific take on Mia that I hadn't really explored in the audition experience. So when I came on set and I started exploring Mia, I could see the producers like, mm. wow, we weren't expecting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's quite good. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that that was, uh, I, I don't know if that had to do with we weren't expecting her to be that good or like that's not the take we were expecting on this character. Mm-hmm. Let's write something juicy for her. Like mm-hmm. this is exciting. So that that was part of the experience. I don't think that I came into into the morning show knowing how Hollywood works. A Hollywood ensemble is different from a Broadway ensemble. Very much so. And so yes. I, I really had to understand the politics of, no, Karen, this is this is your role. This is your responsibility. This is what you're going to do. I'm always interested in how the audience responds to it because they're always like, no, we want to see more. We want to see more. We want... I'm like, there are so many extraordinary actors in this ensemble. Mm-hmm. You're going to get what you're going to get, what the producers say you're going to get, what the writers can write and bring us all together and tell the weave in the best story. Yes. So that was new for me and um, coming to the morning show. And on just like that, I mean, it, it, along with a, a number of things happened on the morning show. I mean, we went through the pandemic together as an ensemble and as a crew. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself was, I, I can't even believe we pulled that off. I like, I, 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 we did the final season of, of my show, Dear White People, in the pandemic, and it was we wild. Didn't, we didn't have no vaccine. Yeah. We was over there talking about, go <laughs> when you get to set, go straight back home, and then don't see nobody. Don't see anybody. Yeah, and, and stay inside your house all weekend. I mean, you can walk outside your house, but please wipe down your mail, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean. Like, um, so that was an incredible experience for me, bonding up experience, um, on that show. And um, I think we're in just like that. What was the question about again? Like, I, I guess, I guess what I'm asking is like, even in maybe the the offer process or the audition process of even getting the role, what did it feel like? Did it, or did it ever feel like maybe this won't work out for me, but you hoped that it would? Now, okay, well, see, this goes back to this thing of this big, huge, um, what they call in, in, uh, in Miles Morales's metaverse, a core a core memory or core moment for mm-hmm. a for a character, right? There's it, it doesn't matter which universe you go in and you meet Miles. There are certain things that must happen that are core to this character. Yes, and it happens in every universe. Um, so in in my universe, that was Jacob getting into grad school. And getting all that money and becoming an actor. So that was a core 
that's core to me now. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter for me. I, when I walk into a job, if I get it, I know it was meant to be mine. Mm-hmm. If I don't walk into a job, it, it, I don't, if I get, walk in and it's not mine, it goes to Divine or it goes to Simone Missick or it goes to, you know, it, it wasn't meant to be mine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm okay with that now. Mm-hmm. So I never walk into a job thinking, I've got to get, I've got to get, I've got, I don't do that. Yes. That's. Because I learned that. Mm. And I also feel like it's the only way that you can survive this business. Oh, for sure. Like, you have to get But let's that. go further than that. It's the only way you can survive life. If you go through life thinking yeah. that, I didn't get that, and I missed that, and that should have been, what kind of, we need a new framework for that, boo. We do. we got to frame it differently, boo. you got to yeah. look at that differently. That's not the way to move through life. That wasn't meant to be yours. But what is coming to you is coming. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, as an actor or a businesswoman or as a mother or as a human, live in the world of scarcity. I don't live in the world of lack. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm radical about that. Like, I don't, I'm militant about it. I'm religious about it. I'm whatever. It's just, I don't <laughs> yeah. align myself with that at all. It is against my spirit. This world is about abundance. Yes. And if you are looking at someone else or something else or you didn't get and and um, thinking, oh, I should have had that, that's that's feeding into scarcity and lack. And what is, the prayer is, God, bring to me what's mine. Yes. And by the way, bring it now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. You can, I, I ask for now, urgency. I'm. It's urgent. My prayer is now. Mm-hmm. You know, I do that, but I, I don't think, um, oh, you know, oh, Nicole Bahari got this. That means I, I, I'm losing out. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Nicole no. got it. Look, you go get that. Girl. You go, girl. Someone yes. says if someone near you gets something good, then God is in the neighborhood. Have you yes. heard that? Yes, yes, yes. It means you're you're in the right place. You're in the right place. You're in, you're in good company. That's right. That's yeah. that's why I was so excited to see Nicole's name right next to mine mm. when we got nominated for that award. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're in the good. We're in the right neighborhood. Yes, we're in the right neighborhood. Yeah. Karen, what has been your takeaway from our conversation today? Is it over? Yeah, we did it. Uh, my takeaway. Well, first of all, you're extraordinary. Thank you. Um. To talk about some of the things that I've talked about. I don't I don't usually talk about these mm. things. Um, my takeaway, I think with a certain level of notoriety, you're reminded um, of the responsibility of representing uh, this. Um, when I think of myself, I don't think of the skin that I'm poured into. Mm-hmm. But when people see me, that is the first thing they encounter. So as a spirit that was poured into this beautiful black woman's body, um, I have to, sometimes I wrestle with it. Um, and so my takeaway uh, from this is that um, it's more important to be aligned and loyal and committed to who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, even though 
my um, experience of it has been that I'm supposed to be aligned with what it means to be a Black woman. What I feel from this conversation, having gone way back in my sense memory of who I am, that it really is still the, the most important thing about my work and about showing up in my career is staying connected to the human that I have become, I've grown mm -hmm. into. Yeah. Um, because we do, this mortal coil, will, Shakespeare says, this mortal coil, we leave it. We do. We leave it. And uh, so that's my takeaway. What's your takeaway? My takeaway is actually what we were just talking about, that I'm in good company. Yeah. That, you know, you are a woman who I've been so deeply inspired by and 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 taken by. And I get to sit with you and talk about our lives yeah. and learn and um, share and grow with you in real time. Yeah. And... I'm really grateful that God had this moment reserved for me, yeah. for us. Yeah. So that's my takeaway. This was a big God moment. Yes, very Wasn't much it? so. Yeah, and I, I also had this really, um, the whole time we've been sitting here talking, I've been having this like knowing mm -hmm. that we're going to be reunited in a way mm -hmm. that we're going to look back and say, can you believe we were sitting on the podcast talking and now look at us. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I, I, this whole time I've been having this feeling. I feel that knowing. Yeah. I do feel it. It's more than just a belief. It's a knowing. Yes, it's yeah. a knowing. It's a knowing. So I'm just, I have a, I have a gratitude that I'm going to carry with me for a very, very, very long time. I'm so glad. I, did, I wasn't expecting to have this much fun today. I know. <laughs> this was so fun. <laughs> this was the best. This was so much fun. It's always so great when you have like synergy with people. Yes. And who knew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did it. We did Thank it. you, sis. Thank you. I honor you so much. I'm so grateful you said yes. Oh, Thank I am you. honoring you. This is amazing. Yay. We did it. This is great. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Our managing producer is Fatima Elswifi. Shanice Tindall is our lead producer. Associate producer is Mona Hassan. Jordan Thompson is our marketing coordinator. This episode was mixed by Trin Lightburn. Michelle Baker is our video editor. This episode was recorded at Spotify Studios LA. Promotional consideration, products and services furnished by Spotify. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.